Blog Talk Radio. to tell people um, if you if you call in and uh, you want to talk about a different topic, that's fine. We often switch topics. Um, okay. What what the uh, 
call-in listeners would like to talk about. So if you have a different topic that's kind of on your mind that you like to talk about, we, we also welcome you to call in. So, mothers, yeah. <laughs> like you said, that brings up a lot. Um, a lot. I know that, but yeah, my mom um, had three kids by the time she was 20 years old. And uh, she tells the story that, uh, yep, whenever you kids would cry, I'd put alcohol in your bottle. So you want to think about every time we were hungry, sad, lonely, afraid, wet, tired, we got booze. And, uh, oh, my. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't like a little bit of booze in your milk. It was booze. You know, and uh, straight. She just she just would tell that story and then laugh. And you know, I can't say it the way she did because it don't make me laugh. You know, it yeah. makes me really sad that uh, that somebody think would think that's okay. And uh, a lot of times we think that we do laugh. And I will say, well, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. You know. And that often comes up a lot. But when you're dealing with a lot of these issues, it's really important to really, I think, look at them in their true light. Um, especially when we're talking about child abuse and neglect. I was putting neglect in there because it is child abuse, but some people just don't think about neglect as child abuse. I don't know hmm. why, but I've talked to survivors that, well, you know, they just don't put it in that category. Um, I've also talked to survivors that um that that are confused, um, um, especially by mothers with their sexual abuse, you know, because it's not usually uh penetration. And um that that is sexual abuse as well and it's not talked about as much. And uh I think it's a conversation we need to get started. One of the conversations we need to get started, we need to do a lot. And I want to say that uh, me is Mental Health Awareness Month. And, you know, I used to call it mental illness. And we're trying to stop the stigma about mental health issues. And so we're changing the language, you know, slowly by slowly. There's a lot of people that will say I have a mental illness. Because um, that's what we've been told all these years, you know. Yeah. But it is a disease, disease, and I call it that for a disease, um, because that's what it is. And uh, you know, um, having a mother that's supposed to be there for you, that's supposed to nurture you and protect you, and you know, your home is supposed to be a place to come home to for refuge from the world. And if you don't have that, um, there's an instability. And my mom, me and my two brothers, I was one, my other brother was two and a half, my other brother was three and a half. Sent, them all, so sent us all on the train from Louisiana to Minnesota to my grandparents. It was on my first <sighs> birthday. She, all I knew was she said, I kissed you on the forehead and said this was the best birthday present I'll ever give you. But I didn't really know that until a little bit later on in my life. And uh, the neighbor kid told me that 
my grandparents weren't my parents, so I came home crying. Told my grandma, my grandfather was at work, and she says, yeah, we're not your parents, but your mother was going to adopt you anybody else, any, out anybody in Louisiana who wanted you, so we had to take you. And I had a really good job, and he had a really good job, and we had to quit them and move to this old shack and, you know, and then, like, if I used the water or, you know, left the door open or just, you know, left the light on or something, you know, I get screamed at all the time um, mm. about what the money it's costing. So I always felt like, you know, I was a burden. And that it wasn't worth the money that it cost them to feed and clothe and anything. You know, so I, I really hid myself because of all that. I later in yeah. life found out that my asked my mom, why did you send us kids away? She says, because I had a feeling that you were in danger. And uh thing is, is I found out later on in life as well, before she told me that, that my biological father had uh, sexually abused me before the old. And so yeah. I think, you know, we, we talked about motherly instinct. I think it was her motherly instinct. To um, send her kids away, she said, "I'm, I'm going to send you to Spicy." And um, it's a good thing she did because I can't imagine what it had been like if she'd have had access to me all these years, you know. Yeah. My mom was sober up in her fifties. <clears throat> when she was fifty, <clears throat> so I went to live with her because I thought, well, I never got to know my mom, so I went down to Texas, stayed with her uh, a few years, and forever. And it was just, it was craziness. It was insanity. Um, I can't even begin to tell you, but I ended up homeless because of the whole ordeal. She started screaming at me one day. She goes, because I was depressed, but she'd make me get up in the morning and work all day because she had an antique and collectible shop, and then we did flea markets on the weekend and sold trees in our spare time, which was, you know, she just shoved everything in there. And then we were in the Lions Club, they were doing all that. And I had no time for anything I wanted to do, you know, because uh, I was doing her what she wanted to do. And uh, anyway, so if, you know, one morning I just kind of woke, I was waking up and she said that my friend was on the phone. And I said, well, just tell her I'll have to call her back. I just can't get it right now. She walks and won't sleep and throws the phone at my head and says, you can't. And I picked up the phone, and I said, my mom's with the phone in my head. I did not. Don't lie. <laughs> and I still call you back. So I just took the phone and went to hang it up, and she was screaming and screaming and screaming. I just, you know, I don't engage with people that are screaming because, like, it takes some people to fight, you know. And I just I engage with when people are verbally attacking me. I just walk away. So I just walking outside. And she said, you're a no good, rotten, lazy piece of shit. Throw you away when you were a baby. I don't want you then. I don't want you now. And then she spit on me. Oh. Yeah. How old yeah. were you? This was when I um, was an adult and I went out to, to live with her, you know. Oh. Um, yeah. So it was like, uh, see, it was in uh, 2000. When I came back to Minnesota. So anyway, I went to a better women's shelter, and she used to run a sobriety house for women. 
And so she called up over there because she brought a lot of women there. And, oh, my daughter's there. Can I talk to her? And so they actually went to the phone. And that's when they didn't have a cord on the phone, but they didn't, you know, wasn't a cell phone or anything. And uh, they were doing the phone with the receiver up and said, hey, your mother's on the phone. And I kind of half whispered to her, that's my abuser, you know. And they go, oh, my God. You know, and then they took off with the phone. But they're not supposed to tell anybody that you're in there. Well, then they had to relocate me, so they relocated me out in Texas, in Houston. Mm -hmm. I was in Texas, but out in Houston. And I didn't know where the hell I was in the big city. And I ended up uh, having to leave there because I couldn't find housing and ended up on the street. And, oh, you know, and then I ended up, this guy talked me into going go to this uh, uh, place for people with mental health issues. And I went in there and they didn't give me my medication for a whole week. Then they gave me all my meds plus trazodone, which I never took unless, um, unless, uh, I couldn't sleep, like I'd be in bed two or three hours, but I never knew I could walk around and function on it, you know. And apparently they gave me the trazodone, and I was so thirsty because I was dehydrated. Kept asking for water, water, and then they wouldn't give me any more. So I had my cup, and there was mop water sitting there, and I thought in my mind, I could just dump my cup in there and get the water out and leave the lice all in the dirt behind, you know, because I was really messed up. And so I went to scoop it up, and they knocked the cup out of my hand, thank God. But I got up, and the lady pushed me on the couch, started beating me over the head with a mop handle. And then they drove me to the psych ward and brought me in and said, she's not making any sense. Not she's not making any sense because beat her over the head with a mop handle, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, so I ended up in the psych ward and didn't know who I was for five days. I'm sure I had a concussion. Oh. I'm not sure what else it could have been. And anyway, so, you know, when I come out of it, I was telling the psychiatrist about what had happened on the streets and this map and, you know, my, kind of my life story. And then she said, well, you, during all this, you were telling me you got two kids. And I said, yeah. And uh, she said, you know how to get a hold of them? And I said, I can last track of them when I was with my mom, you know. And she said, well, does anybody know how to get a hold of them? I says, yeah, my mom, but she's the reason why I'm homeless, you know. I don't know if she'll help you out or not. So she called my mom and got a hold of my kids, and they ended up uh, getting me back to Minnesota. But that's, you know. Um, and then um, it was about five years ago, maybe, I got a messenger message that um, from this gal that was in the Lions Club. Apparently my mom had moved into a small trailer by, by, behind the host, and she had five dogs living in this trailer. They had fleas. She said, it's filthy, and your mom's got a tube in her stomach, and she's not feeding herself, and she's dying, you know, and uh, I didn't know what to do, so I called my kids, and my son got her out here, and my daughter did respite care. And I did go see her and stuff, you know, and um, she did make amends to me, but we were talking one another time with somebody that was talking about <coughs> um, um, dying amends, you know. Like they know they're dying and they just want to get right with God. It's not really about wanting, you know, to say they're sorry to you. 
But anyway, he's right. clear their con, you know. So, you know, I'm not quite sure if it was that or, you know, I want to believe that she was really sorry for the way she treated me, but, um, you know, I just, I don't know. I really don't know. And, uh, but anyway, um, she was here when she passed away. And uh, so I got to say goodbye to her because she was really sick and, and, you know, it took a while. Um, But my daughter took care of her. And so, you know, it it was a long journey with her. And she was, you know, drunk all the time. You know, I didn't have a good relationship with her because I grew up with my grandparents. I only see her once a year when she was in a carnival and I'd see her once a year, you know. So that was a relationship I had with her. It's really much. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I see that, that Philip is on the line. Um, oh, fantastic. On. Hello, ladies. Hey, Hi, Philip. How, how, how are you? Hanging in there. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your abusive relationship, Victoria. Thank you. Um, Would you like you to share, Philip? I have a question. Sure. Sure. Victoria, how did you get on your feet? How did what? How did you get on your feet? Well, how did I get my feet? It's been a slow, slow process. Um, I've been in and out of psych ward since I was 21. And I'm 61 now, so that's the last 40 years. And... um when I escaped from my biological father at 21 um, with my six-month-old daughter, who I have to say is not his, to make sure everybody knows that, um, I ended up in a psych ward, and I couldn't even put, like, three words together. And I shook all the time, and they had to heavily medicate me because I could not, you know, I couldn't function, and I was having severe flashbacks. And then they diagnosed me with depression later on with, borderline personality disorder, and finally a correct diagnosis, which was multiple personality disorder. And I ended up having 31 personalities. And I went to intense therapy with a psychologist that was the head of the U of M psychology department. And um, for 13 years, and, uh, and I didn't have the splitting of the alters anymore. Some people call it, I don't know, people call it different things, but I just, you know, all the kids got to tell their stories and all the teenagers and adults that were abused got to tell their stories to the therapist and to each other. And and so everybody knew. So it wasn't all these separate physical pieces just kind of blowing out in the wind somewhere, you know. So it kind of all came together. And uh, it was a lot of work, you know. And then also I got sober 36 years ago. And that was a part of it because my sponsor um, was a skyroid as well. So when I would talk to her and stuff, it wasn't like, oh, my God, you know. It was like, you know, she really worked worked with me and helped me through it. And uh, um, not a lot of people get that kind of So, um, yeah, I've had continuous years, But... It's, you know, it's been a lot of dedication to my healing. Um, you know, it just, it doesn't just happen. Um, 
people, you know, oftentimes, you know, are going on with their life and everything, and until things calm down enough, when things calm down a lot of times later in life, after they've got their career or whatever, or their kids raised, um, that's when they start remembering. But me, because I got into therapy at 21, I, um, I remembered, not a lot, but I remembered. I mean, not everything. But um, they also gave me shock treatments, which didn't help because people think, oh, it just takes away your bad memories. Well, the problem is it takes, takes some of your good memories too, you know. And it took some of my memories away from me being a mom. Um, it takes and chooses what it wants to take. So my kids would bring up things and they realized that it was getting really sad because they didn't remember stuff. So now they just kind of let me bring stuff up, you know. Um, but I wanted to say, too, that, uh, you know, we can we can break the cycle of abuse, even though it's a generational thing. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many generations it goes back in my family. I'm sure many. And uh, it's a generational thing. And until somebody makes a stand and make a real effort to change the way that they're parenting. Like my grandparents raised me, you know, so um, when my daughter was little, I went to parenting classes. And my grandma, I was living with them at the time, because I left my daughter's father. And uh, she says, why are you going to parenting classes? And I said, well, I want to become a better mother. And she goes, well, I never went to parenting classes. And it turned out just fine. <laughs> yeah, fine. <laughs> In the psych ward, and so my definition of fine is fucked up, insecure, neurotic, emotional. Yep, I turned out fine, and I still struggle today with, you know, like I was talking about, you know, the water running when I moved into my new house here. You know, I was running water, and I still. I'm waiting for somebody to scream at me because I'm leaving the water running too long, you know, or somebody yelling at me because, you know, I'm either eating too much food or I'm not eating the food she cooked or, you know, all this old crap still is surfacing. But today I'm dealing with it as it comes up in healthy ways. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah. That was your Victoria. Did that answer? Sorry? Yes, it did, Annie. Okay. Great. Philip, would you like to talk about talk in that I would like to talk about my mother because I'm kind of going through some arguments with her right now. It's funny that you bring this up because I have arguments with her right now. I still live with her. And we don't get along that well because I feel like she only loves me when I'm behaving or when I'm good. And she doesn't really have, like, stability to offer because she never sticks to what she says. And she always takes away everything I have to do for fun. And she doesn't let me play my music out loud or anything. So I'm just trying to find a different place to go. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's a wise decision. That's a wise decision. Um... You know, we go so long and we're taught to take care of ourselves or, you know, we're, we're punished or 
like you said, things taken away or, you know, um, controlled. And sometimes we don't know that, um, you know, we're, we're kind of scared for change. Because, you know, we kind of know that, but we don't know what the other side of it's going to be. And so I keep tell people to take risks. I mean, just don't go out and say, I'm leaving and then end up being homeless. But, you know, make plans, look at your options and talk to other people and get support. Um, because like I tell everybody, you don't have to ever do this alone again. You know, once you find NASA, you don't have to do it alone again. Um, so um, I'm glad that you're here. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you're talking about it because um, that situation happens to that situation happens to a lot of people um, where um, that family dynamics continues to go on, you know, into adulthood. And uh, my grandparents, when they would borrow me money, there were strings attached, you know. And and it was like I didn't want those strings, but I needed the money. So eventually, I just had to say, I can't take your money, and I can't take their help. They'll throw it back in my face. I don't know if that's happened. But. Thank you. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to say no no to their help when you don't have any yeah. other help. Right, exactly. And they know that. They have you in a, a compromised position. But, you know, as, as long as you're, you know, recognizing what's going on, I think that's really important. We could be really oblivious to what's happening and just to be recognizing what's going on is, is a big step. You know, we can't do anything about a problem or, or a hurdle or whatever if we can't even identify it. So it sounds like you're starting to identify it, and that's great. So thank you. So, Good luck in your search, Thank you. Okay. Well, it's Annie, and I think I'll do a little mother talking, mother bashing. No. Sure. <laughs> mother talking. Um, well, the thing is, that we're not really mother. bashing them. We're just, we're not really bashing them. We're just telling our reality. I mean, um, you know, just because right. um, they weren't. Um, healthy parents doesn't mean we're bashing them. It just means we're just telling the reality of what happened to us. Right. Right. Well, I thought I would start with my my birth because that was kind of awful. Um, I was the fourth child out of six, and I was, I was the second girl. And so my mom already had her boy, and then she had an extra boy, and she already had one girl, so she didn't need any more children, you know. But uh, she had me anyway, and I was there. But when I was born, she was sick with pneumonia, and the nurses put me in the hallway to sleep so that I wouldn't disturb her. And while I was in the hallway, I got a staph infection that put boils all over my body. And when I went home, I gave them to everyone. My brothers and sisters got them. My parents got them. My grandparents got them. Everybody got the boils, and everyone hated me. Hated me. And no one wanted to pick me up and hold me because I was covered with boils. And uh, it was was a bad start. What's that? I didn't know they were contagious. 
Yeah, staph infection. It was a staph infection. Oh, a staph infection. I understand. Okay, now I get it. Okay, sorry. I'm yeah. Yeah, that's what caused it, yeah. And um, and my grandmother even told me that she hated me later when I was like six or seven. She told me she hated me. And um, my mother never oh, nice. told me she hated me, but she she was always putting me down and bringing up bad things like, I don't know, anything that would embarrass me. You know, like the time I got second place in the spelling bee, ha, 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 that kind of thing. You know, that you didn't win. She she would, that that was always a conversation with stuff that had happened in my life that had hurt me. And she would always bring up that stuff and she would laugh. Like she would laugh about the baby story, about how I got the boils and everything. And um, I remember when I graduated college, it took me eight years to graduate college, my parents came over to my house to go to the ceremony with me. And my dad said, you know, your mom's terribly jealous of you because you got to finish college. <laughs> she could finish college, but she didn't. So, But, yeah, that, that's what he told me on my happy day. He told me that about my mom, and I, I never forgot it. It was shocking to think that. And um, she never changed her whole life. She died about seven years ago eight years ago, and her whole life she hurt me. Her whole life she was mean to me. She spoke to me in a mean way. She compared me to other people. Just all the, you know, really yucky things that people can do to hurt you. It was intentional hurting, and I could never understand because I have kids, and I would never intentionally hurt them. That's like so beyond my understanding. But that was the person that she was, and she was a, a hysterical screamer, too. Um, so she just screamed at everybody all the time, screamed at me all the time. And and um, she never stopped. That was it. That was, that was who she was. And she never apologized. She, she knew that my father was sexually assaulting me. I know that she knew. She didn't do anything about it, and she never apologized for it. So I don't have high high uh, praise from my mother, really. I'm sure she had a hard life, but she did things to me that were in just not not right, not the way you raise a child. So that's the end of my mother's story. And uh, any comments on it or questions? How about, would oh, you just like it, to say uh-huh. No, I will. Um, I think it's, I had mine on me. Um, I think it's a really sad when somebody comes straight out and says, uh, you know, I hate you. Um, but, yeah. but we can, you know, we can feel those feelings about people saying the words. And um, it internalizes, you know. And then when we're later on in life, we have those same feelings about ourselves. And so I had a lot of feelings like that, and I ended up doing a lot of self-abuse, which, you know, I ended up um, cutting myself and um, starvation, just a lot of things that, that I didn't even know why I did it, you know. Again, going back to, you know, we have to 
define what the mm-hmm. issue is or define the message that we got, whether whether we remember them actually saying the words or not. Um, that was very um, awful. And like you said, she didn't really know that a kid. My mom didn't need another kid either. You know, she really didn't need any of us kids. <laughs> you know, because yeah. she couldn't take care of us. And, you know, um, like I said, you know, I decided to stop the cycle. And um, and I can remember yelling at my daughter and going, I sound just like my grandma, you know. I don't want to do that, so I apologized to my daughter. And now that's something my mm-hmm. grandparents would never do, you know, say they were wrong. <laughs> For nothing, <laughs> even if you heard them wrong, <laughs> they were still right. Um, and and so I made a lot of changes. You know, I taught them about, you know, body safety. I I taught them a lot of things that I wish I'd have been taught when I was a kid. You know, and uh, my daughter, you know, kind of, you know, uh, supporting her, but also, you know, like pushing her to try new things. And my son was. Um, had trouble uh, verbalizing things. So, you know, use your words and, you know, what's going on and, you know, did you have a bad day at school or what's going on, you know, and getting them to talk about it. And that's, you know, stuff that was never done with us. It was like get get away, you know, and having, you know, having their birthdays and stuff. Um, You know, I can remember calling my sponsor and saying, how do you have an eight-year-old birthday party without liquor? Oh, I wasn't kidding. <laughs> because all our parties for us kids were, um, you know, they'd have cakes, they'd sing happy birthday. Kids would open the presents and they'd chew us off into the other room to get us out of their holidays to Christmas and all those things. Get out of here so that uh, the parents or the adults could, you know, drink and, and you know, tell dirty jokes and, and stuff that we weren't supposed to be around. And so we were just like by ourselves, you know, and had to figure out something to do by ourselves. And, uh, you know, there's a difference between being lonely and being alone. You know, now I take time to be alone. So I got training background, but I take time to be alone. And, um, but there's a difference between that and being lonely. You know, I I used to feel lonely in a crowd of people, you know. I don't know if that makes sense, but. but, uh, It does. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've got, you know, social anxiety. It's hard to come out and do things, but I had to force myself, you know. I had to say, you know, Mm -hmm. take a risk and just get out there and do it. Get out there and do it, you know. Because going to a meeting, if I'm if I'm not feeling good, we always say, when you don't feel good, that's the best time to go to a meeting. <laughs> you know, we don't feel like it, and, and so we say, suit up and show up. And that's the big thing is just getting there, getting the meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of whether you got you know your makeup on, your hairbrush, whatever. You know, you don't you're not your old cheerful self, which I never was <laughs> during. During that time, I was, you know, first recovering. Um, I had a lot of emotional stuff going on, but um, I had the determination. And uh, in the program, it says the only requirement for membership in a 12-step program is a desire to heal. You know, desire to stop drinking or stop using drugs or 
working on your mental health or, you know, your child abuse, depending on what program it is. And and so people have a desire um, to work on this stuff. That's 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 the main requirement. And there's a lot of people that never get to that point. They just want to block it off. And uh, some of us don't block it off because we want to. Um, our mind is just so amazing that it, you know, it just doesn't let us have access to that information. And so a lot of people will say, I don't remember my childhood. But I'm sure it wasn't bad. <laughs> or I mean, people say, oh, you made all that up. I said, if I was going to make up something, I'd make up that I, you know, grew up in a castle and I was a princess and I had a yeah. pony. I wouldn't be making this stuff up. <laughs> because there's a lot of shame started talking about it. I don't know if you guys felt, felt that pain. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you. Philip, would you like to say something again? Yes. Please go ahead. Um, I, I don't know what to say, but I feel like I said something. Um, I was in a psych ward for four times like at the hospital for like two weeks or one week at a time. And I think it really helped me. Actually, sorry about the wind. Okay. Yeah, tonight, I'm, tonight I'm going to an NA meeting. And I've been going to several NA meetings every Tuesday and Thursday. And I have a commitment there. To be the secretary. Victoria, do you have any commitments at your meetings? Do I what? Do you have any commitments at your meetings? Um, I've gone to NNA, AA, ACA, and uh, Al Anon. Um, the one thing I didn't like about NA is they kept telling me I shouldn't be on my psychiatric medications. And the four times I did go off because I believed them, I ended up back in the psych ward suicidal. So I tell people, you know, so, you know, people say to me now, um, I don't think you should be on any kind of medication. And I said, um, oh, are you a doctor? And they'll say, well, no. And I said, well, then I think you're dispensing medical advice without a license. I don't think that's legal. And then I'll say, <laughs> I have a psychiatrist, and my psychiatrist says I need to be on these. Just like if I had cancer, I'd be on chemo. Just like if I had right. high blood pressure, I'd be on high blood pressure medications. Oh, and, and this is what we're trying to stop, the stigma, that mental health issues are just like having physical issues or, you know, um, a broken bone or, you know, or cancer. Um, that we need to be treated just like somebody that would have um, those things going on in their life. And, and right now it's not that way. And, right. uh, so that, that's what they mean when they say stop the stigma of mental mm-hmm. illness or mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll add to that about medication. I went off the medication one time and I was the sickest I had ever been in my life. It withdrawals mm-hmm. from a psych med. I had to go back on yeah. it. Yeah. So 
And I do yeah. fine. I take my psych meds and I do fine. Mm. I don't have mania and I don't have depression anymore. I'm just nice and steady. Right. Right. I'm pretty sure I have depression and anorexia, but I'm going to mm-hmm. talk to my doctor about it on June 5th and see if they can do anything about mm-hmm. it. I can get medicine medicine Good. for it. Yeah. And I think it's really important for, you know, people to be honest with their psychiatrists and their doctors and, you know, any kind of medical professional that you're dealing with. And then we go back to the shame, you know, and talk about it and stuff. But, um, you know, if we want to get help, like when we've got a broken bone, you know, the doctor, you know, takes x-ray, the doctor, you know, asks you where it hurts, that, you know, um, you tell the doctor about what happened or whatever, you know. And then we go back to mental health, you know, that shame is there. And I just want people to know that it wasn't your fault. You're not to blame. And you deserve healing. Just like somebody that has a medical condition, you deserve healing. And you deserve to live a happy, just life. Free from all types of abuse. And if you don't believe that in your heart right now, I hope that one day you do. Because I did you. believe it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just starting to believe it. Uh-huh. Well, I ended up, I used to say I was a revolving door of safe units. And, um, I mean, it was like every, every Thanksgiving I was in the psych ward for years and years. And I couldn't figure out why. One time I was in there and I started remembering um, my biological father had gotten back, my mom and my brothers, and in this house out in the woods. Well, he took me out in the middle of the woods to this camper and was raping me. And my mom heard it all the way across the woods in, from inside of a trailer. And she was in the house that far away and heard me and came running in there, opened up the door and said, what the F is going on in here? And he said, none of your business. Get the F out of here. So she left. And all I could think is she went to get a baseball bat or call the police, you know. And I was 17, and uh, she didn't. And uh, um, we came back to the house, and uh, that night he orchestrated the three of us together, you know. And I never really thought about that until years later, about how my mom intervened in that, you know, and got me help, but she didn't. And then the next day, we had Thanksgiving like it was no big deal. And I called my grandfather, and I said, well, I'm ready to go home. And he came, picked me up, took me home. And I didn't say what happened, you know. I didn't, I didn't know where to start or, or how to explain, you know. didn't have the words. And I blamed myself. I took a long time to speak up about everything because mm-hmm. I was afraid of backlash and, like, abuse, more abuse from my father and my mother if I spoke up about something. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, a lot of times it's um, self-protection, self-preservation. Um, and there are a lot of people out there that can't um, talk about it, you know, and they can't even admit to themselves what's going on because 
you know, they're they're in it so much. We're, you know, there are so many of us that for years had to live in crisis mode all the time. We're constantly on the defense, just like hyper vigilant, worrying about when am I going to be attacked next, and can't even think straight when that's going on. And I'm talking spiritually, emotionally, physically, psychologically, what, you know, all those things um, are, are abuse. Even being in a room where somebody else is being abused is abuse. Um, because they witness it, it's, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like my sisters don't even support the fact or or have sympathy for the fact that I was abused as a child. They just brush it off, and they're like, well, I was abused, but I'm doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. Or they talk I've had a brother or... say that. Yeah. Is that toxic? I'm sorry? Is that toxic of them? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Yeah. Huh? Yeah, it uh, it made me feel, I don't know, I felt like I was being told I was just a baby. I should, you know, cry mm-hmm. like a baby or something. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, maybe it affects people differently and that's why I need more healing. But I think that the person who said that to me was simply stuffing down an awful lot. Yeah, I agree with you. They were right. Yeah. Stuffing it down, they felt the same things, but they were afraid to express it, so they just stuffed it down and didn't let it out. Oh yeah. Yeah, they didn't acknowledge it because it's it's painful to acknowledge it. It is painful. It's painful going through realizing what you know parents have done, or you know these are supposed to be people that are supposed to love you, care for you, nurture you, and help you become. Um, a wonderful person like you were always meant to be. And when they're not that, um, it affects us. And all those things affect us. And we can, you know, identify something by, yeah, they said this or they said that or they did this or they did that. But sometimes it just treat us a certain way. That makes us feel a certain way. And um, I, I told my brother about some of my abuse because I wrote uh, self-published a book with just some of my ratings in it, and I talked to him about it. And anyway, we started having these conversations, and hopefully he's going to be coming on NAFTA as a uh, special guest. He's got some stuff he could do in his life right now, but I talked to him about coming on, and he said that he would. And I hope that, you know, maybe I can get people's numbers and get some support, you know, when he comes on. Um, but um, when he started in recovery, he ended up um, starting to deal with his abuses as a child. And uh, was fortunate enough to find somebody that, that kind of guided him through it as well, another man. So he speaks out about his abuse. But when he was speaking out about it, and I was down in Texas with my mom, people were calling and saying, well, your son is bad-mouthing you again. And she say, you know, he's saying horrible things about me. Instead of, oh, my God, my son got hurt, you know. I really hurt my son. Or, you know, I wish I could have been there when he was being abused by somebody else, you know. And it's really, really bad that when confronted 
or when it's brought to the attention, um, the parents are saying, I'm getting attacked. Um, They're not getting attacked. We're just exposing the truth. And, you know, that's my big thing is I'm telling the truth. I had to keep these secrets all these years. I am telling the truth. I'm going to tell people what really happened. You know, and maybe not everybody, but the people that I feel safe with. And I feel safe coming on the radio and sharing because I know there's a lot of people that need to hear, you know, about my experience, strength, and hope. And I have a lot of hope for the future. You know, I don't know even if I make it till tomorrow, but, you know, right now, right where I am right now, I'm, be- I'm better physically, emotionally, spiritually than I have in my whole life. And my life is getting better. And it's only getting better because I believed it would get better. You know, I had that hope. And I always had hope. I always, and even though it was a tiny little grain of nothing, I, I felt I deserved better. You know, and so, so feed that. Keep telling yourself that I deserve better. I deserve better. I believe I deserve to live a happy, joyous life. Because we all do. Yes, and we, were we all do. You know, whether it's, you know, um, art, sharing, make other people happy, whether it's a business that you start that's, you know, providing services for somebody, whatever it is that, that's like, you know, your heart's desire, or people say, oh, that's stupid or whatever. You know, they say uh, when your higher power, you know, tells you what your purpose is, it wasn't a conference call. <laughs> so, you know, you're the one that got inspired, and you're the one that has to believe in yourself, you know. And and we're all the only one that can rescue ourselves. We have to sit and wait for someone to rescue us. I can tell you personally, it never happened. I had to rescue myself. Sure, people have helped me along the way. I'm not going to say that I haven't had help because I've had a lot of help. But I try to get back what was given to me and also try to get back what wasn't given to me. <laughs> the things I could have used, the things I needed. And I'm not talking about physical, material things. I'm talking about, I would say, I give you a hand up, not a hand out. I try to get like, volunteering. And, like, mm-hmm. I'd like to, like, champion somebody's cause, so that's what I'd like to do. That's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of people get a lot of, um, a lot of pleasure to helping the people. You know, I, I do it in the program and I do it in Africa. And, you know, um, sometimes I'm really feeling bad. You know, like I'm really feeling alone or something. I'll bet, I'll say, well, I bet somebody down at the A-Club is feeling alone too. And I go down and find somebody that's sitting themselves and just start talking to them. Because I realize I'm not the only one alone. or calling up somebody at, at NASCA, there's a whole list of people on on uh, the website if you look under the investors. Um, and it doesn't even have to be one in your state. You can call anybody on that list. That's why we put our name on that list. I'm on the list from Minnesota. And anybody can call me. Um, my number's on there. And uh, um, we have different time zones and everything. So what I say is, you know, I'm on such time. And if I don't answer, you know, leave a message and I will call you back. And Bill's the same way. And pretty much everybody that's on that list is the same way. 
But if you get a response, just keep calling numbers and leave the messages, you know. You'll eventually get a response. And I just want to tell people again, you never have to be alone again, you know. And, and you can call people and talk to them because a lot of us have been through it, you know. And I feel like, you know, I was a victim and then I was a survivor and I, I believe I'm a thriver now, you know, and an advocate for others. And uh, I never thought I would ever get to this point. That's when we help and somebody I'm proud else. Of you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm proud of me, too, where I never could say that before. I thought it was, you know, a bad thing to do was, you know, say anything like you were proud about yourself or proud about your accomplishments. And today yeah. I can do that. I- you know, and that's a growth. I was taught not to do that. You know, I I was yeah. taught, well, that's being proud. That's a sin. You know, you don't do that. Yeah. But now I know how yeah. important it is to applaud ourselves. Yeah. I give myself hugs, and I just uh, listened to somebody say that they went somewhere, and, and uh, maybe not to hit the mirror, but I find yourself in the mirror, you know, just real softly. Touch the mirror and hide yourself. Or else I'll do something that I really feel good about and I go out loud, go star. <laughs> and I'm carrying right. me. <laughs> I just go, go star. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And if I get lonely or whatever, I'll, you know, I'll, or, or sad, I'll get me a nice, comfortable blanket and curl up in my bed or in a chair. And, and just comfort myself because I was never comforted. I was given liquor, you know. <laughs> I wanted to mm-hmm. it. So I had to fix myself, you know, and I call it, re- I had to reparent myself. So a lot of the stuff I was doing with my kids, like I got these affirmations, you know, for kids. And they're on these circles and they were like, you know, I love you no matter what. And you are a good person and, you know. I, I like the way you, you know, you're so creative, just things like that. And pasted them all over the house. And I'm not sure if my kids much as I did out of them. <laughs> you know, because I wrote out me because um, I thought, well, if this is what kids are supposed to know, I never learned it. <laughs> A lot of us are stunned at certain ages, you know, um, like people that are alcoholics go say, well, you're kind of stunned where you were when you started drinking. But children that have been abused are stunned too because we didn't get that proper love and nurturing. You know, and so like I said, Mother's Day is coming up, Father's Day, and people have a whole bunch of mixed emotions. So what do we do with all that? And uh, for me, drilling was really helpful. Uh, getting paper out and scribbling on it, believe it or not. Because <laughs> I couldn't put no, nothing into words to start out with. Mm-hmm. So I just scribbled on paper different colors. And the ones that are the best colors to start with is red and black. Don't ask me why. But <laughs> fortunately, I had children. <laughs> so I had red and black crayons. And those were the two I chose. And I just started scribbling on how many pages to scribble on before I started to be able to put things in words. 
I'm kind of nervous mm-hmm. for Mother's Day because I don't have any money to spend on my mom. Not that I would because she would ask for something else. I get it's hard to understand right now. I don't like getting my mom stuff for Mother's Day because she gets mad if I don't. And she always uh-huh. asks for stuff on Mother's Day and her birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't use it. Like, like the last time for her for Christmas, she insisted that I give her something. So I gave her something and she doesn't even wear it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it sounds, and this is what I went through, um, um, like she's a narcissist, you know, and it doesn't matter what you do as a narcissist, you're always wrong, you're always bad. Um, no matter what you do to try to please them, you're never going to be able to please them. And uh, yeah. that that is the saddest thing. But if you realize that and you do your best, and that's all we can do is our best, um, it's on them. It's not on you. It's about them. It's about, you know, something about them that that they can't even appreciate when somebody goes out of their way to get them something. Um, I remember working on uh, this needlepoint thing for my grandmother, and I found out what her flower was for her birthday, and I and I did a needlework um, for her with a made a pin cushion and put all the lace on, and you know it was just beautiful. And uh, looking back on it, and uh, she opens it up and she says. This is what, um, well, she called me her daughter because they adopted me. This is my do- what my daughter gets me because she can't afford to buy me a real present. Oh. Terrible. Yeah, it broke my heart. But I look back at that right now and I just say, you know what? She didn't appreciate it because she didn't appreciate me. You know? Yeah. And that's sad and that's hard, the hard freaking fact. She did not appreciate me. She did not love me in the way that you're supposed to love your child. Um, um, she didn't support me. You know, I wasn't doing well in school, and she, my grandparents would just say, well, you know, we dropped out of school, and as long as you're doing your best. But I wasn't doing my best. I didn't know how to study. Um, my my school work was not of any interest to them. Um, they'd keep me up Sunday night because they were drinking all weekend. And I'd go to school on Mondays, and I'd be sleeping in class. And nobody thought to ask, why was I sleeping in class every Monday morning? You know, it was just passed by as, you know, the kid's problem. <laughs> Not maybe there might be a problem at home. Ladies, I have to go in like two minutes or five minutes. Because I'm going to okay. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing. And like I said, my phone number is on um, the website. If you ever want to call, it's Victoria Kelly, and I'm the Minnesota ambassador. I might call you during the day if I'm lonely, okay? That would be fantastic because I don't I don't work for things. Um, I, I work my butt off, but I don't have a paying job. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That would be wonderful, Philip. You have a wonderful evening, and thanks for coming. Thanks, Philip. Goodbye. Well, I thought I would read well, a little something like I found. All right. Sorry? Uh-huh. I'll be here for like two minutes or something. Oh, okay. 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 I thought I would read something that I found that about Mother's and Mother's Day, particularly Mother's Day that's coming up this Sunday. 
And um, it's hard for some people. It's hard for me. And so here's her, her advice about Mother's Day. And this is a psychotherapist talking. Engage in an activity or a tradition that honors what, you're, what you have been through. If you're in pain from the loss of your mother, cook one of her favorite recipes or shop in her favorite store. Find a way that makes you feel more connected. Only spend Mother's Day with loved ones if they are supportive and don't create additional stress. Boy, I wish someone had told me that. Otherwise, it's imperative that you avoid family activities and gatherings. You must give yourself permission to opt out of situations that increase your stress while you're feeling vulnerable. If you've miscarried or are experiencing other forms of loss, practice a few key responses to people's inevitable questions that set a clear boundary. I recommend saying, I'm doing as well as I can be under the circumstances. Tell me about what's new with you. Pain is personal, so there's no right or wrong way to handle it. Tune into what you need, not what others need from you. All your feelings are worthy of your attention, and nobody else gets to decide this for you. And that's the end of that. It wasn't very long. Um, yeah. If you'd like to comment or um, participate in our radio show, please call us at 646-595-2118. Look forward to hearing from you. And okay. Philip, were you going to to comment? Um, <coughs> um, well, right now I'm at the point where I can't not spend Mother's Day with my mom because I don't have anywhere else to go. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for staying with us. Um, I just want to read a quick um, a quick deal that I found. Um, let's see. Hold on a minute. I gotta get back to it. I have a hard time with this. Okay, so this is called the Mighty, and it's for people that have um, mental health issues. Um, and this one is talking about Mother's Day, grief, depression, and emotional and verbal abuse by my mom. Um, both have been gone for 20 plus years. It's, it's for mom and dad. So. But these special days leave me feeling lots of angst toward mom. I was recently validated by my oldest brother that mom didn't want me. I was daddy's girl, but even that was tempered by mom. She ran interference when he and I spent time together via phone and in person. I am 70 years old and was born three months early, so I was a challenge for my stay-at-home mom. Very sickly and died several times my first year of life. Today, I spent quality time with a friend in a phone call. I use my coloring apps and word search to keep above board. Make sure to eat and drink self-care time, self-care time. And, and so that's kind of, you know, um, what I do is if that holiday is going to be hard for me, um, I make sure ahead of time, okay, what can I do to occupy my time on that day? So I'm not ruminating about, you know, the negative feeling that I'm having during that day. 
I mean, it's one thing to acknowledge it. It's another thing to get stuck in it where, where we feel mobilized. Um, so I think taking good care of ourselves and saying, you know, I can go for a walk. I can, you know, do a arts and craft project that I like to do. Um, I can spend time with my pet. I can call a friend. I can, you know, um, just brainstorm. I can dance. I can sing. I can turn on some music. Um, brainstorm some things you can do. I'll take myself off to eat because I deserve it. You know, I survived. I am a survivor. Um, just the fact that we all survived is a miracle in itself. That's true. All right. But I'll give the number again. We've, we've still got another 25 minutes to go, so if you want to give us a call and talk about your mother or motherhood in general or being a mother, our phone number is 646-595-2118. And I'm Annie, and Victoria is here with me, and we look forward to hearing from you. And I also well, want to mention on the NASA website that we have um, uh, a part in there called Protecting Our Children. And it has a whole bunch of useful information for parents that, that want to make a difference in their own children's lives. Regardless of whether, you know, you're a survivor of child abuse or just a parent that, you know, doesn't have any information, it's there. And I let people about everybody know about the NASCA website because there's so much information for uh, survivors, for advocates, for professionals, and for people that just care about these issues of, um, like, you know, preventing child abuse. Um, you know, I, I always used to wonder if we could really prevent child abuse, but I think through education, Talking about the issues and, and really delving into it, like we do on the radio show, and in the in the um, Zoom support groups, which we have three days a week, um, we we have an opportunity for those people that are involved, um, and anybody can come in and be on the panel. You do not have to be a survivor of child abuse. Um, this is just a place that we can talk about preventing child abuse, about hearing people's stories, about acknowledging that child abuse exists and we can do something about it because a lot of people out here listen to the news. Oh, my God, that was horrible. That's horrible. That was horrible. But but that's as far as it goes. You know, they might talk to all their friends about a news story about child abuse and everybody knows it's horrible. But that's where it stops. It's like a period at the end of that sentence that doesn't go any further. The same with the Me Too movement, Me Too period. And it stops the conversation. We need to have these conversations. So um, did you have any children, Annie? Hello, Annie? You still here? I'm sorry. I ha- I had muted it because of the dog. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> now I forgot what you asked me. Yeah. Oh, I asked if you had had any children. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I forgot my children. Oh, no. Yes, I have two, <laughs> two adult sons. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And I'm just so, so glad these, that they are adults. Yeah. <laughs> that was hard. So Raising did. children is the hardest thing mm. in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Mm. So um, did you make changes in the way that you parented your kids? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, mm-hmm. but I think I went too far in the other way rather than be the, you know, the overbearing, screaming parent that my mother was. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a pushover. Yeah. I'm, uh-huh. I'm not strong enough. That's my biggest fault, I think. Uh-huh. I, pe- people can get me to do stuff because I just give in. Cause, because yeah. that's how I was raised. If you didn't right. give in, you know, life was much worse. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's that black and white thinking, the all or nothing, you know, approach. And that's what happened to me, too. Um, I I pretty much went the same direction that you did. Um, You know, I didn't want to smother my children like I was. So, you know, I gave them kind of free reign. And um, that ended up not being good either. So um, I wish I had said more time going to. Yeah, going to the parenting groups and and realizing that, you know, being cautious of your kids being on the Internet, being cautious of what friends your kids are playing with, where they're going, um, monitoring them is not smothering your children. But I was told by people, you know, you're messing up your kids because you want to know this and you want to control this and that. I really felt that they knew more than me, even though I felt that, you know, I wanted to know what was going on because I cared about them and loved them, but kind of getting bullied into the other direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like you said, feeling like I don't want to repeat what's done to me, so I guess I'll do the opposite, which isn't always yeah. the healthy thing to do. And so I think finding mm-hmm. out what is healthy parenting. And now we've got so much more information on the Internet than we ever had, you know, like when you and I were parents. We just didn't have access to all that information that's out there today. I think they should have public service announcement on every billboard. Not every billboard, mm-hmm. but on a lot of billboards with parenting yeah. tips. Yeah, yeah. Or even a resource number. You know, I went down to the county um, where I live, and I went to the police station. They had this great pamphlet, and it had seven places you could contact for parents. And I was putting on an oh. event, so I thought, great, I'll contact these places to get them involved in my event. Every single number I called, they either didn't have that program anymore or they were totally, the phone was disconnected. Not one of them oh. was around okay. anymore. And they're still handing out those pamphlets, even though I told them. Did you tell the police that? Oh, yeah, I told them. I told them they're still handing out the pamphlets. That's yep. crazy. They should be handing out NASCAR's business cards. Well, you know what? I'm trying to get some brochures. Um, I try to order them. And um, um, Bill said that he's got some at this other jail, and I'm trying to get some because we're having a um, walk uh, for mental health in the Noka County, which is the county I live in, um, in the beginning of June. And I'd like to get those pamphlets. So I can hand them out. I've got business cards that I have printed up with my name on them. And when I hand them out, I say, you know, you don't necessarily have to call me, but definitely go on the website, you know, Mm -hmm. because there's information on there. And and so I also want to mention, too, if anybody wants to come on, 
um, a survivor or a survivor professional. That means that um, you're a survivor of child abuse and now you're a professional. That, that helps um, uh, child abuse survivors or children um, that are either abused or, or healthy is to um, help children, you know. We'd love to have you on as a guest. Um, go on the NASCA website and you can see which shows are booked. And uh, you can pick a date and contact Bill Murray, the founder, and um, we'll get your information and we'll get you booked on the show. So anybody that's listening to these, because I know they're archived. Um, so anytime you listen to this, if you're not listening tonight, um, or if you know of somebody else that might be willing to come on as a special guest, um, we would be really honored. We're always looking for people to to tell their story, uh-huh. and um, that's what they do mm-hmm. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then Tuesday and Thursdays we have survivor professionals, and then any other nights that we don't have guests, we will do an open topic. All the shows always go on. The show must go on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, the show must go on. Yep. So if we don't have a special guest, then uh, we would like listeners to call in. And even the topic that we're talking about, if you're not interested in, call in with the topic that you're interested in. Say, hey, I know you've been talking about Mother's Day, but, you know, this is what I'm dealing with right now, and and we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, with the few minutes we have left, I have another thing um, that I would read. Okay. Great. Let's see. I I lost it here. One moment. That's not it. A painful relationship with mom. I didn't read that one already, right? No. No. No, you haven't. Thank you. Asher McKay of Vermont has a strained relationship with her mom and shares I am still in touch with my mother, but our relationship is one-sided. She is very attached to me and often sees me as her confidant and emotional support. Because of childhood abuse and trauma, I have emotionally detached myself from her and have set several boundaries that have been hard for her to respect and understand. So I have a hard time opening up to her. When Mother's Day rolls around, I try to find a card that will make her feel good without compromising my honest feelings for her. Dr. Linda Mintel, a marriage and family therapist, suggests that there is a loss to mourn in this situation as well. For example, if your mom has never been the affectionate type, recognize that and grieve that loss. Then consider the other ways she shows love. Even if your mom doesn't change, is unable to express or control her emotions, or won't ask for forgiveness, grieve those losses. That's the end of that. I really like that. It kind of gave me chills. Yeah, because it's true. Those are losses. Those are those are horrible losses from our lives. To the loss of having a mother 
to do all the things mothers are expected to do. Yeah. Yeah, and it can it can be a hard job being a mother because you know a lot of things are expected, and uh, you know I go to AA meetings and I I hear some guys say, "Yeah, I'm babysitting my kids this weekend," and um, I have to go up to them, you know, Andy, I just have to, <laughs> and I say, um, "Excuse me, you know, I mean, you already had like visitation with your kid." Well, I guess you could call it that, and I says, "I have never heard a mother." even who doesn't have custody and have their kids for the weekend, ever say I'm babysitting my kids. They say, I get visitation with my children this weekend. I said, it is a gift. It's a gift. You're not babysitting. You can't babysit your own kids. You know, and and so I know a lot of families, um, the fathers aren't participants, or the mother will try to set rules and boundaries and, and, uh, the father won't go against it, or the other partner. I'm not just going to say father; it's like could go the other direction too. And and my girlfriend, her kids would go over to their their father's house, and he would just let them do anything they want. And so she used to mm-hmm. call him Disneyland Dad. <laughs> yeah, because mm-hmm. he'd junk food and he'd take them out places that you know. But she was the one that had to get them to bed. She was the one that had to uh, make sure they got their schoolwork done, and you know. Uh, change clothes and, you know, not put the laundry on the floor and, you know, just making all the rules. And, and the dad, you know, just didn't care. <laughs> but it can work both sides, you know. Um, the father uh-huh. can try to keep order and the mother can just say, you know, just do what you want. And unless you have a united front with parenting, it ain't going to work. It just ain't going to work. And the, ki- the kids yeah. will, um, you know, like even when I was married um, to my husband, um my daughter came in one time and says, um, her dad, um, dad, um, mom said, if you said it was okay, I could do this. And he said, let's go ask mom. And she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Cause I already said no. <laughs> right. You know, I already said no, but, but they'll play each other. And, and it's not like they're bad kids or anything. It's just that kids will do that, you know? And, uh, so we got to be careful that we're not labeling kids bad. Or um, the other thing is, um, uh, well, they're spoiled. And a lot of times people say they're spoiled because they get the clothes they want or, you know, the toys they want or the computer stuff and this and that. But you know what? My grandchild does, and I say my grandchild is not spoiled. They get their computer, they get clothes they want, because Luke is loved, cared for, and my daughter wants to make sure that Luca gets the opportunities to things they want to do in their lives, you know, um, because that's what parenting is. Parenting is not buying a dress for your kid and making them wear it even in a one because it's cute, you know. Hmm. So I do with my that. dog. I make her wear a dress. Well, you know, that's a cat. That's a little different. (laughs) Yeah, I know it is. I'm kidding. It is different. Yeah. 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 But that's another thing, too, you know, if if you have a pet and stuff, you know, um, you know, even if you couldn't be a parent, um, you know, taking care of a pet or taking care of a plant or taking care of, you know, like um, Philip was saying about volunteering and helping other people. You know, um, there's a lot of ways that we can help other people. And I know a lot of people like at the A Club that 
don't have contact with your kids and stuff, you know. A bunch of people at the club will call them grandma, you know, or mother or whatever because they're a motherly person, you know, because they've changed their behavior, but their kids can't forgive them. And and yeah. so, you know, kids can't forgive you, and you've tried. Um, you've done as much as you can. You really have. Um, but I had one of my friends who said, I already said I was sorry and that I was an alcoholic. And I said, well, when you say I'm an alcohol, I was an alcoholic, you're making an excuse for what you did. And you need to just say I'm um, you know, no excuses. not I'm sorry, but I was an alcoholic. Because I could say I'm sorry to my kids, but I had mental illness, but my biological dad abused me, you know. But I don't want to put that but word in there because it discounts your first sentence. Right. You're wonderful, but, you know, look at that outfit you're wearing. (laughs) You know, it it takes away the whole sentence. Um, So, you know, like if we're trying to make amends, um, you know, like I said, uh, my grandparents never said they were sorry, and they never did anything wrong in their eyes. And uh, you can bring every fact in the world that, that you were, you know, right on the topic, but... You know, they wouldn't hear it. They would look at it. Um, you're still wrong because <laughs> they said you were, you know. And I would ask my grandfather questions like, how does the streetlights work? And he said, well, there's little men inside there that, you know, turn off and on lights. And I like, knew it wasn't true, but I certainly wasn't going to argue with them. And couldn't say, let's go to the library and look it up because I don't know. You know, and just make up stuff, you know. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to know it's real, not real, you know. And, you know, so I think just, you know, realizing that we're human. And the other thing is that, you know, everybody in the world makes mistakes. And if we focus on where our mistakes were and not on our successes, we're going to bring ourselves down, you know. Um, and, and the thing is about regrets is, we only did what we did with the information we had at the time. And so we need to give ourselves a break. Um, I was given bad information and all I lied to about what it was to be a parent. You know? And and so mm-hmm. how else am I going to know how to parent? Um, except for do, like you said, completely the opposite. You know, which which can be unhealthy as well. So... You know, if, if you want to find out how to be a better parent, there's a lot of information out there. Um, but you're, if you're an adult survivor of abuse, you might be looking at that information, and it might hit you like smack in the face. This is what a parent does, or this is what a parent should do. And then, as you were saying, Annie, to mourn that, to say, I did not get that. But I will give my child that. I have the ability to give my child that, even though I wasn't given that. So a lot of people mm-hmm. say that, you know, if you weren't loved, you can't love anyone else. I think that's BS. I think, you know, if you care enough to look up something to, you know, how to help a kid, you don't have to know, say, if you never had depression, um, how to help your kid with depression. You look it up, you find out information, you get them help, you talk to the therapist, you ask questions, how can I help my child? You know, you don't have to start out knowing it all. That's why there's professionals. That's why there's information out there. 
that that's getting spread like wildfire, thank God, because um, we need this information. We need information out there. You know, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, you couldn't go on a computer and just go, um, you know, um, anything, depression, uh, adult survivors of child abuse, you know. Um, I saw Bill 15 years ago on the Internet. Um, when I when I when I searched adult children and alcoholics, but you gotta know what to search. You know? If you don't have a name for it, you can't even put a name on it, how can you even do a search in Google? I can't go, Oh mom, just do a Google search. Like I don't even know what the question to ask Google to get the right answer. <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm trying to ask it, I said, I don't know. <laughs> right? I don't like to describe it to me. Well, by the time I describe it to them, they kind of looked it up on Google for me, you know. <laughs> or there's a video on YouTube. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just look it up for me, please? <laughs> I can't, I can't. And they're like, yeah, you can, Mom. I'm like, oh, okay, I will. You know, <laughs> they're pushing me to learn. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that, you know, that's the other thing. If you don't know how to do a computer and stuff, you know, and you want to, you learn. If you don't know how to cook, you learn. If you want to be a better parent, right. you learn. So yeah, I remember studying cool. a lot when I first started cooking outside the house. Yeah. You know? I remember uh-huh. thinking, how do you figure out what to make all the time? You know, and just you have yeah. to learn. Just a mm-hmm. little bit of a mm-hmm. time. Yeah. yeah. And I also remember when my first son was born, I had a vision of him at 10 years old for some reason, mm-hmm. sitting on my lap, and I said to myself, I don't know how to take care of a 10-year-old. How do I have a yeah. child? <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, we've only got four more minutes left. Um, uh-huh. Let's let's just let's say um, again that this is stop child abuse now. It's the name of our radio show, and the initials spell scam. And this is scam radio show number three one seven seven, which means that there are three thousand one hundred and seventy seven archived radio shows that you are welcome to listen to just by going to the NASCA website. And NASCA is spelled N-A-A-S-C-A dot org. And that stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And if you go to their website, um, you can see who's going to be on the show and who's going to be leading the show, and the phone number to call for the show, and everything you want to know. Um, also, the, the NASCA website, I totally recommend that you spend a few minutes on it because there are a lot of bits of information in here about protecting children and about recovering ourselves that um, are good to read. And do you have anything to add here at the end, Victoria?
Are you there, Victoria? Yeah, I wanted to read the uh, serenity prayer we say at the end of our support group. It's, please grant me the serenity to stop beating myself up for not doing things perfectly, the courage to forgive myself because I always try my best, and the wisdom to know that I am a good person with a kind heart. Um, so we hope that, you know, people keep coming back, come to our support groups, uh, the website, Blog Talk Radio Show, and we've got 40 different programs um, if you go on the website. And just like Annie said, spend a little time on there uh, whenever you have time. And um, if you have any questions, you can uh, call any one of the ambassadors. Um, you can call Bill directly, who's the founder. And uh, we... Uh, we really want to tell anyone that wants to be a family member, we didn't get to choose, you know, our family of origin, but we could choose NAFCA as our family if we like. And, again, it's not you have to. Right. It's uh, if you'd like. Yep. And we would welcome yep. you with open arms. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Victoria. I have been Annie Marjus. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Sounds great. Okay. Bye-bye now. Don't.